Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today I'm hanging out with Trey Stinnett, aka The Flow Coach. He helps small business owners build their ideal team so they can get past hard and live a life they love. Trey has worked with guys like Damon John and Tony Robbins. He currently is living in St. Petersburg, Florida with his wife and two daughters. Welcome to our program, Trey. Hi, Brent. Great to be here. Thanks. What do you mean by the flow coach? What's this whole flow thing about? Yeah, it's actually pretty funny that I am called the flow coach by my clients because I used to be more like the poster child for grind. Um, but flow is that state where everything feels easy, where time disappears. Maybe you experience a bit playing some music or meeting up with an old friend you haven't seen in years. And next thing you know, it's been four hours, even though you were only supposed to talk for 30 minutes. That feeling of ease, a lot of business owners don't have that. I know I didn't forever. And so flow is really being in that state of mind where you get more done, you're more effective, you enjoy your work, and then you look up and it's only two o'clock and you're done for the day. That's kind of the promise of flow. And there's a whole lot that goes into it, but it's it's been a huge game changer for me in my life. Why why is this your thing? What What got you motivated behind helping entrepreneurs to achieve flow in their business and life? Have you ever been to Burning Man? I have not. Haven't been there. Have you heard of it? Yes. That's this crazy festival, right? Middle of the desert. Uh, This is a few years ago. I'm there. It's like super hot outside. Dust is blowing in my face. I'm I'm probably sitting on top of like a giant unicorn car shooting fire out of the back of it or something. And I'm talking to my buddy and it's like, despite being all of this craziness going on, the most relaxed I'd been in like 18 months. And he's like, what's, what's going on with you? And what had happened was I did the whole business owner hustle and grind thing since I was a kid, started my first business when I was 13. And at that time, even though I was traveling the world, speaking on stages, all the things that I thought I wanted, I was grinding. I was burning out. I was away from my daughters. And I just, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with my life. And my friend Brad told me, he's like, dude, it's probably because the work you're doing isn't in your flow. And that was the first time that I heard anybody use that word in that way. Uh, and so I started researching and, and studying a system that he introduced me to called Wealth Dynamics. Uh, it's in Asia. No one over here knew about it or was using it. Based was basically based on this 5,000-year-old book uh, called the I Ching. And as I began to study it and I began to realize, oh, the activities that I'm doing day in and day out, 90% of them are the things that are not in my zone of genius, many of them not even in my zone of competence. And so I was reaching burnout. And that was a major turning point for me because once I discovered that there was a unique path for me and that not, you know, seven out of eight of the things I was reading was wrong for me because there were eight different types of people. I was like, wow, this, this literally removes most of the books I'm reading. Most of the strategies I was following allowed me to really just focus 
on doing the stuff that was right for me. And once I started doing that, I attracted the right people onto my team, people that were different from me, people that were really great at stuff I sucked at, people that I thought the work I was giving them was grind work, but for them, it was flow work. And things began to really shift and change. And now I get to travel with my family or stay home, which is what I really like to do now, the, the traveling's behind me. Uh, and I get to help other people do the same thing, which is figure out, hey, what is my path to flow? What does that even look like for me? Can I actually not work 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week like I have been my whole entrepreneurial career? And the answer to that is, yes, business doesn't have to be hard. It's just that most of us are out of flow and the work that we're doing isn't the stuff that we enjoy. For, you know, I assume that this is, you mentioned there's eight different kind of types of, of work or profiles within Wealth Dynamics. But for you specifically, like, what were some examples of things that are not flow for Trey, uh, sure. but are zone of genius for Trey? Yeah. So, for example, you know, I was on stage speaking all over the world. It's something that I love to do. I love to, to be out in front of people. The thing is, what I love most about it is actually writing the speech and being able to get on stage with it. And so what would happen is oftentimes I would break my own talk. Uh, just because I needed to fix something, I needed to change something. And what I discovered was as a creator profile type, that's one of the things we do. Uh, really great at starting projects, not as great at finishing them. And so for me to, to take a look at that and realize, okay, I need someone to help me with the finishing, that made a huge shift for me because a lot of projects, I don't know about you, but for me and a lot of the creator creative type of people I know, we end up with Dropbox folders full of ideas that never come to fruition, never happen. And that was a, that was a big part of what I experienced. And just, you know, dealing with customer service and fulfillment and follow-up. These are things, again, that I just assume nobody wants to do, but there's actually people that really love doing it. And so I found that what was grinding me was that I was not in my creativity all the time, that I wasn't coming up with stuff and strategy and making things and building things. Instead, I was either just on stage or I was having to handle some sort of back-end, you know, with like the, the numbers and accounting and that stuff is just not my flow. And I realized that, oh, if, if I actually had somebody else handling that and I focus on just these things, I'm actually getting way more done in way less time. And so it was, it was definitely an evolution. It wasn't like I found out a personality profile and then my life changed. It was application. And it was realizing that, you know, only when I bring other people who are as great as I am in the areas that I completely stuck at, will I ever be able to have a great team. And so that, that was a process. And the first member of my team was a very unsuspected one. Uh, in our profiling system, we, we say that the best person for a creator is a supporter or the best person for an ideas person is a people person. And uh, I never would have imagined it, but the people person that came onto my team is my wife. Uh, she'd been taking care of the kids for, at that point, six years, seven years, and uh, never really was super involved in any of my businesses. And dude, I got to tell you, she was like the critical component. Once she got involved, it's easily the most successful venture that I've had. Uh, just having somebody that can handle an area that I can't even see. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Float. As an agency owner, you need quick, reliable answers to questions like, how much money will I make next month? When can I afford to make another hire? And what if I lose that big client? Float, the cash flow and scenario planning software for Zero and QuickBooks Online, helps you answer these questions and more. So you can start making smart business decisions with confidence. To access an exclusive six-week trial of Float and set up a call with one of their cash flow experts, visit floatapp.com slash the digital agency show. I think what happens to a lot of people when they start hiring people or maybe when they're hiring 
kind of high stakes people within their business, somebody they're going to pay a lot of money to, or, you know, they, we think, oh, I need to hire, not like myself, but kind of, right? It's somebody that connects with me or that I really understand them. I see eye to eye with them. You know, I'm trying to get somebody that has the same qualities because I think a lot of entrepreneurs and agency owners make this mistake of trying to replicate themselves versus trying to find somebody who's great at the seat in the business that maybe they don't want to do anymore, right? Or maybe it doesn't, it doesn't give them that energy. How do you recommend that people go out and find people that are different? How, how, I mean, even assessing something that's different, right? By nature, it's, it's not what I'm comfortable with and what I know. So even the yeah. interview process of, of talking to somebody who has very different uh, response to some things like this, you know, might be challenging for somebody to understand like a different person's value, for example. Yeah. I totally get it. I mean, when I when I first discovered this system, and it's you know just one of the systems when it comes to getting into flow, but it was the first one. It was the first domino, right? And when I discovered, it, I was like, okay, so what does that mean? And I and I looked and I saw that my failed partnerships in the past had actually been partnerships where I teamed up with creators, people who were the same type as me, and we got along great. You know, we talk about how important it is to have a cultural fit with the people you bring onto your team, and it's like, oh man, this person is just like me. We're going to be a great fit. And then we have all these ideas and then nothing ends up getting done, right? Or we get off to a really great start. This is one of the deals with, with my type creator is that we're really great at getting things off the ground, but then finishing is weak. And so what would happen is, you know, me and my two other creator partners would get the business launched, get the product out there, start making the sales. And then when it came time for someone just to stick around and oversee operations or someone to follow up with the customer or someone to, you know, even just go to the post office and deliver the product. You know, I'm remembering back in my twenties when I had a t-shirt company. I didn't want to do that. Neither did he, neither did he. And so the balls would get dropped. And so oftentimes what happens is because the people that are the most like us are the ones that we naturally gravitate to, we end up just stacking the team with more of ourselves. And there's, there's times when that's a good thing. You know, Steve Jobs had a whole team of creators that were doing design work and other stuff that were the same type as him, but they all still depended on having the people that were completely different from them. And so this is why the system made such a big deal for me is because, you know, I've done all the personality tests and discs and Myers-Briggs and stuff like that. And, and they really just kind of told me a little bit about who I am and didn't give me what to do with it. And the difference with Wealth Dynamics was it taught me that, okay, if I'm good with ideas, the opposite of me is good with timing, good with showing up, the when and the where. If I'm good with the what, they're good with the when and the where. So that's who I need to look for. So when I started reaching out to people or I started meeting people and looking for who would come onto my team, I would use terminology like, you know, move slowly and methodically, which is about the opposite of me, right? I'm moving, move fast and break things. That's, that's my game. And so even with some of the agency owners that are in our community, it's the same thing. A lot of them are the creative type, right? So they're really intuitive and they can kind of see how to position uh, someone's brand in a really great way so that it's effective. Awesome. But then who's going to actually make sure the client shows up for their call? Who's going to actually make sure all of the campaigns are built if you're doing ads, for example, right? All of those different pieces we tend to like create these massive org charts where I need a million different people to do a million different things. In reality, there's only four paths to flow. And so if you can identify what those four different areas are, which of course it breaks down to eight profiles, but I don't want to get nuanced here. Basically it's either people, ideas, timing, or systems, right? Those are, those are the, the four different areas. And so I can speak to that in a job posting. I can look for that in a conversation. And so when it comes to building your team and getting those first people onto your team, yeah, it's super valuable for you to hire people to take over the stuff that you're really good at and don't want to spend your time on right now. But chances are the stuff you're amazing at 
you don't actually want somebody else to do because you're amazing at it. You enjoy doing that part of the business. So a lot of times it's looking for those areas that aren't your zone of like complete blind spot because you need to have some sort of idea of what's happening in that area. You're not, you're not abdicating responsibility for your business. You're just delegating certain areas, but it's, it's hiring the people that are intentionally opposite or complementary to you. And then we have a whole system and way of measuring that. And I've got a YouTube video on it, but basically you say, here's where I am. What's out of reach for me. And then what's in my complete blind spot. And so if you can take those two things and get the people that are in your blind spot and the ones that are, you're not in your blind spot, but it's just not fun and not simple and not easy for you to do that type of work. If you get just those two people on your team, you would have massive shifts, massive change without even necessarily having to have 10, 15, 20 employees. Can you expand a little bit what do you mean by, by out of reach to you? Like it's a, it's a skill or a thing that you can't even do? Yeah, you got it. So, you know, it's when I don't have something to draw on and show people like on my graph and things like that, the best way to think of it is you are a genius at some things, right? There's some things. And when I say genius, you know, I, I use the term the same way that Albert Einstein did. And he said that, you know, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll spend its whole life believing it's stupid. I truly do believe that every person has a genius inside of them. Some area of, of, of life that when they're in that flow and they're doing that thing, it's effortless and they do it at a better rate and they do it in a better way than any of the other people around them. Right. Uh, in fact, we have a mutual friend, someone that came on your podcast before Aaron, she's a steel genius, a metal genius. So she's systematic in the way that she thinks like she goes in and helps people with mindset stuff in a systematic way. Right. And so when I talk about out of reach, you know, for, for somebody like me, I know that I, I'm great with strategy, great with ideas. I'm good at getting on stage and I'm maybe being able to do sales or anything around like some marketing, but what's out of reach for me is to slow down and do one-on-one, right? I love to do one-to-many, but that one-to-one is just kind of out of my reach in that when I do it, if at the end of the day, I'm tired, then I'm doing the wrong thing. You know, that was actually my come to Jesus moment when I got back from Burning Man. I went and met with one of my mentors, Ron Lynch, in Austin. And I went for a walk with him and I told him, you know, I just rang the bell and, you know, knocked down like a lot of money. I was making six figures a quarter, take home pay. And it was the most I'd ever done at that point. And I said, you know, do I just keep doing this and retire when I'm 40 or do I do something different? And he goes, well, if you're tired and you're exhausted, you're doing the wrong thing. He goes, because if you're tired at the end of the day, then you're, you're doing something wrong. And that was a big wake up moment for me when I realized, okay, how do I fix that? And it came from recognizing that when I'm in my flow and I'm doing the stuff I'm the best at, at the end of the day, I actually still have energy. And so that's just a real quick way to measure it. Whatever activity you're doing, if you're inspired by it and you're energized by it, you're on the right track. If you're burning out, you're grinding, that's a signal. It's a sign that you should probably have somebody else doing that type of work in your business. These four paths to flow, people, ideas, timing, systems. Maybe we can start with people real quick. Just kind of what does that mean? Like that's getting other people in my business to take tasks or things off of my plate. Or is that like managing people? Because I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people like I love to lead, come up with vision, the managing component of like checking in with people, like, how are you doing? What's going on? What's, you know, that kind of week to week kind of thing. Uh, and I'm sure my team, as they listen to this, they're probably chuckling. They're like, oh yeah, you know, like Brett doesn't do that, right? It's, it's so, but that's that's the reality, right? Like I love, I love being around my team, coming up with the ideas, the strategy, that kind of stuff. But the management piece, I mean, I'd put that in my, maybe it's in my blind spot, maybe it's out of reach. But is that what you mean by people is having other people within your organization to create flow for you? 
Yeah, I think if we dig in on that, the first thing is that means that you're probably similar to where I am. And when we listen to podcast hosts and we read the books and we watch the you know successful entrepreneurs, we tend to think that there's one way of being an entrepreneur and we're all trying to figure that thing out. Because there's eight different ways of being entrepreneurs, it actually takes a, a shift in thinking away from, okay, what's the idea I need to come up with? And sometimes it's just, who do I need to connect with? Who do I need to bring on with my team? Who do I need to partner with? Who is my customer? Who is my avatar, right? Who am I actually getting on the phone with right now to be able to close? So anything that has to do with the who question, right? That person who's, who's got that path to flow, we call them the entrepreneur elements. If their element is the element of fire, right? That means that their element is people. So that can be external facing people, marketing, sales, partnerships, or internal facing, managing teams. And so where you're going to get really good at, at strategy and inspiring your team, if you have to look after your team and do quarterly reviews with your team and like slow down to that point, that's going to be out of your reach. Not that you can't do it, but if you do it, it's going to be the hard work, grind work. And again, we, we kind of celebrate that in entrepreneurship too much, where it's like, oh, you got to grind. And in my you know, very pointed opinion, uh, hustle and grind, first of all, are two different things. Hustle is when you're showing up, putting in the effort, you love it, you're making it happen. It feels good to hustle. You might, you know, be working hard, but it's not hard work. Grind is when you're doing the thing that takes you an hour to do what takes someone else 10 minutes. Grind is when it just feels like fingernails on a chalkboard, right? I'm like doing my hands like this because I'm thinking about spreadsheets and like QuickBooks right now, right? So that's like the grind work. And so the people genius, that is the person who is focusing on answering the question, who? And if you have that person on your team and you ask them to solve a problem, they're not going to tell you how to solve it. They're not going to tell you what needs to get done. And they're not even going to bring up when or where it needs to happen. They're just going to tell you who can solve the problem right now. And having that person on your team can be incredibly valuable because they see things in a way you don't. I, and I like the differentiation between hustle and grind. And maybe what I'm learning from you is that energy level of how you feel when you're done with it. Because I, sometimes I, I, you know, I hear stuff like this and I kind of have a hard time outside of my work. I spend a lot of time uh, riding my bike and I'm into BMX, right? I go to the skate park, ride stuff. And so, you know, sometimes when I'm learning something new and I, I see a lot of parallels within my business, I'm learning something new and it does kind of suck and it's draining because it's new and I, you're not good at it, right? Like when I'm not good at something, it's hard to get into flow um, but when you get better at something, flow I've found is easier to achieve. And, and so is there any nuance or differentiation there yeah. of just like I'm doing something that I'm actually not good at? I, I give the comparison like when I'm talking to my clients and, and we're, we're talking about, you know, going out and meeting people in their market and, you know, and they've got a lot of fear, a lot of tension around this thing and they're not good at it. And they've only done it like, like they've only called somebody that they've never met before in their life like once or twice or three times, or they haven't done it a hundred times or a thousand times. And sometimes I feel like that negative resistance can be related to just not knowing actually how to do something. So is there any nuance there Absolutely. of saying, Hey, this is actually just, it's hard because I don't know how to do it versus it's hard because it's not in my area of genius. Yeah, you got it. And I think there's definitely some nuance here. Um, the first thing to recognize is, you know, hustle is when you're on the bike and you're pedaling right? And you're just pushing, pushing, pushing. Flow is when you're off the ground and you're doing some sort of trick and it's timeless and you're in the sky and you're making stuff happen. Grind is when you keep riding the bike and pushing, even though you need to have your kneecap replaced, right? So it's grind and hustle are different. And what you're actually talking about is the struggle phase of flow, right? So to get into flow, we have to first struggle, right? There's some 
some type of like, it's not quite working. I'm trying to get into flow here. And then what happens is the second phase of flow is release. And so after the, the struggle and our brain is trying to focus and figure things out, then it releases, we get into flow. And then after flow is recovery. So there, there's the very predictable set of stages that we go through uh, to get into flow. So struggle is key. So when I look at that and I say, okay, well, am I struggling with something because I have never been good at it? And every time I sit down to do it, I still suck at it, right? And I've been doing it for years, but I'm just forcing myself to get through this. Or am I struggling because it's novel? And if I'm struggling because it's novel, I can continue to push to see, is that going to work? But that is like, try, like if you're doing a trial and error process to figure out which things are in your flow and which things, what's struggle, what's grind, that's hard. So that's why I loved the test is because it was like, it told me, okay, based off the questions you just answered, these are the things that even though you may struggle in the beginning, you'll eventually get into flow. And these are the things that no matter how much you do them, even if you get competent at it, like, and you just, just like develop a skill, you'll never get to that place where it's just like a full release of timelessness and flow. So hopefully that, that kind of gives a little bit of insight into the differences between the grind and the hustle and the struggle right? Because struggle is not a bad thing. You need struggle. It's part of the process of getting into flow. But if it's over and over and over and over and over and over and over that you're just like, you're getting through it, but it's never feeling energizing, probably a good sign that that is the opposite of your flow path. Yeah. That's in Trey. I really appreciate that clarification because sometimes I, you know, I, I, I love to write, for example, I, I just lost a book this year and it took me three months to write the book. It took me 20 months to get the book published and launched, right? Like, and for me, that's not like I'm high quick start. If you're familiar with Colby, I'm, I'm three, yeah. three, 10, three. And so a lot of energy on the front end. And I relate a lot when you're kind of walk talking about, you know, coming up with the ideas and starting a project and wanting to tweak your presentations and things like that. Uh, follow through really difficult. Got to bring the army of people in to like help carry me that, that last five yards takes like literally it can take six times as long as the first 95 yards took. And, and so that's, that's something that I definitely can relate with quite a bit. But I, I like that differentiation because I feel like sometimes even with writing, sitting down in the chair to write, even as somebody who's written, you know, half a million words in some years, sitting my butt in the chair is always like uncomfortable. It sucks. It's like sometimes writing does feel like a slog, but it's like getting through and making sure that I maintain that practice. I mean, sometimes even like working out, for example, like is not fun. It's not energizing, but it's like, if I don't do it, I fall out of the habit and then I don't have that opportunity for flow. And I think some people get discouraged in the struggle to get into flow. They think I'm not good at this. They almost interpret that as grinding versus seeing that could be a path to flow. And I think it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to know, like, is this struggle because I'm just not good at it or getting into flow? Or is this struggle because I honestly shouldn't be doing this? Uh, and I think too, if it's best, right. Yeah, if that, you're, that really helps me figure out just based off of, okay, well, if you're writing and I already know that you have an intuitive thinking dynamic, then most likely struggle is going to get you into flow. But if you have a sensory thinking dynamic, just continuing to go at that blank page probably not going to get you into flow. So how could you still publish a book if you're a more sensory thinker? Well, you'd actually do it by going out into and having conversations with other people, maybe interviewing other people and then compiling something based off of what's in real space. So just two different mm. ways to write a book, but you're going to be in flow because you know that once you sit your ass down and you do that and you force yourself to make it happen, right? 
then the flow is going to come. But somebody who has, let's say I have this happen. I have friends who have been accountants for years and they, it's completely out of their flow when I have them take the test. And they're like, yeah, like I've gotten good at it and I can go in and I can do it all day, but there's never like timelessness. There's never that feeling of just fulfillment through my work. And ultimately, you know, that was the reason why, you know, I walked away from a very high paying career traveling around the world to basically go make one fifth as much money. Eventually was able to scale back up, but I had to take a huge pay cut because I wanted to be in flow. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. I wanted to enjoy myself. And, you know, there's no greater success or no greater failure than being successful. And then you're not fulfilled. You know, it's like leaning the, the ladder up against the wrong wall. You get to the top and you're like, great. Now I got to climb all the way back down and move my ladder over. So it's, it's really about identifying these things as early as possible and making those shifts. Now, I always say that when people like listen to one of my trainings or come on to one of my programs, that every minute they spend with me, they're saving themselves seven minutes of doing the wrong thing or listening to the wrong thing. Because you may be listening to Warren Buffett's advice, right? Which for a person like you, you should just give your money to Warren Buffett. You shouldn't try and follow his investment strategy because <laughs> you need to be focused on creation and building things, not trying to manage and oversee the systems and the money on a daily basis or try and trade stocks. And this happens all the time with innovative, intuitive, creative people. You make your money really fast and then you lose it all in the stock market or crypto or real estate or some other investment because it's not the same genius. And so there's a certain letting go and allowing other people to be the geniuses that can hold you up, that can support you in being able to be and flow yourself. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast so I can focus on getting my clients' results and building a successful and profitable agency. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more info at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. Is there any word of caution or pitfalls of, you know, this, this type of framework? I mean, one of the things I, I've been a big fan of, I hire a lot based on Colby within our team. And I know other people that do DISC or, you know, personality assessments. I like Colby because it's more of a cognitive strengths test. Like, how do you actually work? Like, how do you do things? Uh, but, you know, it's, I feel like sometimes you kind of, you put people into buckets. And is there, are there like constraints or warning signals or applications where a framework like Wealth Dynamics does not work very well to solve problems within a business? Um, yeah, I don't know if that's anything you've experienced with your clients or, uh, you know, any kind of, of challenges that you've had with it. I mean, I could probably go to length on, you know, the, the systems that we've used of like when it's worked really well for us, when it hasn't worked well for us. You know, I don't think any is like a perfect silver bullet, but is there any kind of things where this does not work well? Yeah, I think there's two sides to it. One side is as soon as any type of typing system, because I love this. I, I, I actually love Colby as well. I'm a nine on quick start. So I've never met somebody that was a 10. So that's amazing. Um, I love all of these systems. But as soon as they start to confine you, it doesn't work. If they help define you, right? They help give you some definition to what I can do. If they help liberate you and give you give you freedom and permission to be you, that's when they work. As soon as they start to confine you or something we say in the wealth dynamics community is that your profile is not an excuse. As soon as you start saying things like, oh, well, I'm a creator, so I don't finish things. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. You're a creator, so you need to bring a team together to help you finish things. So if you find yourself using your profile as an excuse to not get the 
the, the, the objective complete, right? Like, oh, well, I'm not good at that. So it's just not going to get done. No, 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 no. But we have to still get things done. That's incredibly important. So I do see that happening sometimes, um, mostly with entrepreneurs that are at, at lower levels or they're like leaving a job. And so they're like, oh, I don't want to do that stuff. And they came from a job where all of that stuff was handled by the business. And so now you're the entrepreneur and you went from having one job to having 20, right? You still have to handle everything. And so it's really a, it's a, it's a process of moving towards flow and increasing the amount of time and flow. It is not like you take my quiz, you flip a switch, you're now in flow all the time. And it really comes down to what does your business look like? If you are a, a one man show and you're running the whole thing yourself, right? You're not going to be in flow all the time, just plain and simple. Once you have enough cash flow and you can start to hire the right people into your team and you can start to bring on maybe contractors in the beginning or a VA and then eventually full-time team members in an operating team, well, yeah, you're going to get more and more in your flow. Think about somebody like Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. These guys are always, well, Steve Jobs, not so much anymore, but they were always in their flow, right? The stuff that they were doing was the creativity and the, and the, and the being on stage and talking about what they're doing and engineering a better product. They weren't actually in the warehouse shipping things. And so it's moving more and more and more towards having mastery in business, mastery in entrepreneurship. That's really the work that I do. Once you understand if you're a creator or a supporter or a mechanic or a deal maker or a trader or an accumulator or a star, then it's mastering that and saying, okay, well, what is the best way to build wealth? How can I have you know, true wealth, which we define as what's left over when the money goes away, right? Wealth isn't the cash, it's the, it's the systems, it's the business, it's the people, it's the stuff around you that allows you to stay in flow. Because you could take somebody like a lottery winner who makes a million dollars and then next year they're 500 grand in debt somehow, right? That's not wealth. You could run a reverse lottery with somebody like, you know, Elon Musk, take all of his money away. And in five years, he'll be right back up on top. That's the difference. The difference is wealth. And wealth comes when you're living in that profile and you're building all the right systems and teams around you. Trey, this has been a fantastic interview. I'm so happy that Aaron, uh, introduce you to us and our audience here at YouGurus and the Digital Agency Show. I love the idea of staying in the flow of working towards having more of that in your life around, you know, the people in your business, making sure you've got those opposite or complementary types of people in your business all the same, those ideas, the timing, the systems. And uh, man, we went through a lot of stuff. Having, you know, your unique genius, uh, not necessarily that you need to be a genius at all things, but that one thing that maybe you're better at than others. Uh, this has been super fascinating. Are you ready for our lightning round? Let's go for it. What is the best advice you've ever received? There's a quote by Lao Tzu, uh, who is the author of the Tao Te Ching. And he said that in nature, all is accomplished and nothing is rushed. I had a mentor tell me to stop trying to climb the cliff of the of the mountain and just walk up the back of the mountain. We oftentimes in business just try and force everything and try and go super fast. And the only shortcut is focus. So that was probably the best piece of advice I'd been given because up until that point, I spent 15 years trying to get rich quick. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? That one's super easy. Education. I have been a habitual learner since I was probably 20 years old and picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad and crushed 500 books since then. Uh, I'm still averaging almost a book a week. That habit alone has made a bigger shift and transformation in my life than anything. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Well, I just started using Clubhouse. That's pretty cool. Have you seen this new social media app? I don't know how new it'll be by the time someone's listening to this, but it's taken the world by storm all of a sudden. And it looks really cool. It's super promising. 
uh, and it's kind of fun. Cool. I actually, somebody mentioned that, that they said clubhouse and I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. Thought they misspelled something and just <laughs> kind of ignored it. So I'll, I'll take a look at that. We'll make sure to, uh, hey, it's what's next. We'll see. We'll see. But it's, it's basically like all audio and you just join in on other people's rooms and calls, but the people in there are like really high level celebrity entrepreneurs and the advice they're giving is super legit and it's invitation only, but it's not that hard to get an invite. So definitely check that out. It's, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. And what book would you recommend and why? I think one of the best books I've read was actually Rise of Superman, which is the first book that introduced me to the concept of flow and how flow works. Uh, that is by um, Stephen Kotler and his partner, Jamie Wheel, um, who also wrote Stealing Fire. So those two companions together really get into how to get into these flow states. And I would say those two books, I know you asked for one, but those two right there, are the, the best flow books I know of. Awesome. I love that it's on topic. So for our listeners out there, if you want to dive more into this topic around flow, we will link out to Rise of Superman as well as Stealing Fire. We'll throw in a link to Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki just for kicks since you said that was a book that kind of ignited that. I'm a big fan uh, of his as well. So we'll link out to those book recommendations, Clubhouse, and lots of other takeaways, tips, and nuggets from today's episode over on our show notes page. That's yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Trey, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, so my website is theflow.coach. Uh, that is .coach, not .com. I didn't even know you could do that, but we did it. So it's theflow.coach. Uh, and if you put floored slash gift, I've got a free gift on there for anybody who's listening to this that wants to really start to get into their flow. Awesome. Well, big fans of the idea. Sounds like you know your stuff from today really well. So I, uh, and I know Erin File, you came highly recommended from her. She's a good friend. She's been on our show before multiple times. And uh, we'll also link out to Aaron's episodes. Lots of great stuff on mindset. Actually, we did an episode where we geeked out on Colby uh, for, for pretty much the entire episode. So there's lots of, lots of great resources. We'll organize those. We'll link out to your website, theflow.coach slash gift on that show notes page. So if you're on the road or on a run or like me on your bike, you can check that out at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening to this week of, you'll see Trey's picture right up there at the top. Click on that. And we'll have all those goodies for you. Trey, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.